0: Do you ever
1: feel like standard leadership advice just doesn't quite fit the mark for you? Welcome to Leadership From Within, where discovering your unique leadership style is at the heart of what we do. We dive deep into the MBTI and Big 5 frameworks, crafting leadership strategies that truly resonate with you. Join us on this journey to uncover and celebrate the one-of-a-kind leader within you. Let's get started. In the second part with Whitney, we talked about her journey as a leader with ISFJ Traits. She shares how using her natural strengths really helped her in her leadership.
0: I am very good at coaching. And for... Many years, so I'm working on Wall Street, I'm an investment banker, that I'm an equity analyst, and people would say to me, you're, you're really good at coaching you, you might want to think about doing this. And I remember thinking, "Oh, I don't want to coach like that's, you know, I want to be a banker, I want to be a Wall Street analyst, you know, coaching isn't, you know, coaching isn't something I'm going to do. That's a soft skill kind of thing. And so the breakthrough for me, and I think this is true for many of us, part of the reason that I didn't want to do coaching is I had a perception of it, of it was a soft skill, but perhaps more importantly, I didn't value it because I was really good at it. So yes, I was a good stock picker. Yes, I was a good Wall Street analyst, but I worked very hard to be good at it. Whereas coaching is something that came quite naturally to me, quite reflexively to me. And I think that the breakthrough for me was, is being willing to not only be aware of something that I did well, but to own and value what I did well. And I think that's a breakthrough for most of us as as human beings is that we tend to want to go do things that may have been a little bit hard for us because look at me, I figured this out. But I think our breakthroughs are our ability to make an idiosyncratic oversized contribution in the world comes when we recognize what our superpowers are, we value our superpowers, and then we do really hard things that leverage those superpowers. That's when we can make a real contribution. And so my breakthrough was, when I was willing to own and value that. And now we have this business disruption advisors. And yes, we have this assessment that allows you to see where you are in your growth. But at its essence, if we go back to how I introduced myself at the beginning, what do I do really well? A musician, I accompany people. I walk alongside people. What that means is that I'm able to coach you in your growth so you can make progress in a way that you want to. But the breakthrough was owning and valuing a strength that I had. Out this is what does growth look like? What does it feel like? And believing to the depth of my soul that if I am inviting people, encouraging people to grow, to change, to disrupt themselves, that I need to be doing this work as well.
1: During our chat, I noticed a certain charm that Whitney possesses. She has this neck for mending broken dreams. A lot of us have felt let down and disheartened by life's realities. But imagine having somebody who could help you discover your deepest dreams and actively pursue them. Pay attention to this segment and notice how Whitney's thoughtful, patient, and detail-oriented approach plays a big part in her ability to help people piece their dreams back together.
0: We're helping them. Remember what their dream is, uh, because they may have forgotten or stopped believing that it was possible, and once they can tap into that 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 inner dream or that deep longing, then giving them the tools to start to think about how can I achieve that we've all heard some permutation of we all want to change, but we want it to be our idea. <laughs> we choose to change, and so one of the things that i've been really focused on is finding that place where people feel motivated enough that they want to change. So if you're in a situation where, let's say you're, you're coaching inside of an organization, they want to become a more effective leader. They've just gotten a lot of feedback around X, Y, or Z. And they think, you know what? I'm good. I I don't need to change. I um, but then there's almost always a place where they think, ah, oh, but if I could do X or if Y would happen, or if I could have influence Z person, there's something that they want, there's some deep longing that they want. And so if you can tap into what that is and get curious long enough to figure out what it is, then you're in a position that they start to want to change. And then that's where you can start to do your work of coaching them around, well, what could that look like? And what are you willing to do to make that happen? But it starts with figuring out what do they want? What's the deep longing that they have? Meeting them in that place where they feel feel it enough and want it enough that they're willing to do something different. Sometimes you can't figure it out quickly. Sometimes it's about... um Just asking them questions and getting really curious, you know, tell me what matters to you, understanding um, some of their formative experiences, having them tell you stories about their lives, about um, their successes at work, their successes um, as a child, their successes in college, the things that didn't work. Because oftentimes the thing that they have this deep longing or yearning for is rooted in something that didn't work in their lives. Um, And so it's about asking them and inviting them to tell stories of their lives. And that will start to give me anyway, a picture of who they are and what animates them and what they care about, and then start asking even more questions. So if X could happen, or let me throw an idea or a hypothesis out to you, how does that feel? How does that sound? You can start to get to that place.
1: Whitney also addresses one of the common challenges associated with the feeling personality type, sensitivity to criticism. She openly discusses her own experiences and provides advice on how to manage and overcome this sensitivity.
0: I think I'm going to go with the sensitive to criticism because I think that that's something that that plagues um, many of us. So, so with an ISFJ personality or my personality specifically. There, I have a deep drive to improve and to get better, to make progress, and so, um, so when I hear things that I could do better, I respond to it very like, okay, yes, I got it. I want to do better, but I also so so that's a good thing. But I also think um, that. One of the things that happens, and there was a great article that was written by Heidi Grant a few years ago called The Trouble with Bright Kids, is that um, growing up, we get these labels attached to us, like you're smart, you know, you're clever, you're capable, you're, you're a rule follower. And so for me specifically, then I needed to continue to be smart. Because that smartness or people telling me that I was smart reinforced my identity that in fact, I was smart. But then that also meant that if someone told me that I messed something up, that I didn't do something correctly, that it wasn't perfect, then that would start to mean that I was somehow dumb. So if the criticism or the the observation that I could do something differently wasn't phrased exactly right. Then I would take it as somehow I, it was a referendum on me and on my identity. And so that, that hurts you as a leader because you can say, well, great, um, I'm not, no one's giving me any feedback. And <laughs> you have to say to yourself, at least to myself, are they not giving me feedback because there's really no feedback to give? Or are they concerned that I'm so fragile that if they give me that feedback, I will unravel? And so one of the things that I have focused on is, How do I put myself into more situations where I can have people give me feedback? I've started asking people for advice as opposed to feedback because advice feels a little bit more benign. I've also said out loud many, many, many times to myself and other people, if someone gives me feedback, that means they're invested in me. They care enough about me to tell me something that they think I could do differently. And so this isn't them wanting to undo me, but in fact, help me become more effective. And so it's something that I think I've made a real practice of thinking about what does that mean for me? What does that mean for people around me and giving people tools to receive feedback, to, to receive advice as a gift, not only for me personally, but also for the people I coach to be able to understand what this means for them and how, in fact, it is a gift for them to be even more effective than they already are.
1: Here, Whitney touches upon the topic of introversion in leadership, providing valuable insights for those with a more introverted personality preference, and sharing strategies on how to effectively utilize this trait in a leadership role.
0: I like small groups. I like one-on-one conversations. And and what does coaching allow you to do? Almost always it's in a one-on-one situation. So how do I cultivate that? I would say... I cultivate it by being very interested in the person that I'm talking to. I mean, like I'm inherently interested in who I'm talking to and curiosity and wondering about a person's story, wondering what animates them, what they care about. This goes back to that psychology of the stocks and and the momentum is um, I'm able to cultivate those relationships because I'm actually curious about who I'm talking to. And when someone is curious about us, Um, we feel seen, we feel cared for, and that allows us to build a relationship. Actually, a person who's more introverted and gets more energy internally, um, or at least I concluded is actually potentially better at being a disruptor because they're spending this time thinking and and kind of heating their own compass. So um, it doesn't serve me in the sense that It takes me a lot of energy to get out into the world to socialize my ideas. And if you're a thought leader, that's important to do. But it does serve me in the sense that I think that I believe that I think very deeply about the human condition and what I and what people around me can do to make progress in our lives so that we feel a greater sense of happiness. So it allows me to want to do that work of thinking and pondering and reflecting
1: emphasize the significance of striking the right balance between personal values, emotions, and the concrete data in making crucial decisions.
0: When I or anyone, that feeling gets triggered and goes into that place of emotional dysregulation, then then I, I'll speak for myself, I can have that sense of, okay, I need to email this person right now. I need to reach out to this person right now. When in fact, that is just anxiety talking. That's just feeling. That's just irrationality talking. So that's the dark side. And that is where I think I and many of us are doing work right now in our lives is how do we emotionally regulate so that we are able to not be reactive, to act and not be acted upon? Now that's the dark side of it. And it, and it's something that I know that I am working to harness. The light side of it is. That when I'm in a place of groundedness, a place of a sense of belonging to myself and a sense of feeling place in this universe, my intuition, my inspiration, it is at a very, very deep level and I can trust it. And it allows me to name things and to see things and to discern things about situations and people that I find is a gift for which I'm very grateful. And then it can bless other people's lives. And so when I can be in a place where I can tap into that, it's actually a very beautiful thing. So the challenge for me is to go less on the shadow side, the dark side. It's a continuum and more and more and more on this light side where I can tap into that beautiful gift of discernment.
1: In this segment, Whitney highlights how she has turned her ISFJ personality traits into a competitive advantage in her leadership journey, demonstrating that what might be perceived as weaknesses can actually be transformed into strengths.
0: I have been thinking about this. So I think that when people have a personality type similar to mine, um, that tends to be fairly easy and comfortable because their challenges are similar to my challenges and I've navigated them. So I think that tends to be pretty easy to do. I also do find though, Annie, that, um, there are some personality types that are very different from mine, but because the strengths that I have are strengths that they don't have, I end up being a great thought or sparring partner with them because they're, you know, like, for example, I find that people who, Um, have lots of big ideas. And they're like, let's go do this. And let's go do that. Sometimes they can be a little bit scattered. And I'm able to help them. Okay, let's look at everything. And how do we make order of this? How do we make sense of this? And, and, and not only make order make sense, but what's your next step? Let's just do one next step. And so I find, again, if we're alike, then it's fairly easy because I'm just probably a little bit further down the path than they are, or at least walking side by side. And sometimes they're very different, but just like, you know, blue is complementary to orange. Sometimes my, my blue can be very, a big complement to someone else's orange and, and just looking at how those pieces fit together.
1: Finally, I asked the Whitney about any hobbies that have contributed to her development as a leader. Her response provides interesting insights into how certain activities outside of work can positively influence leadership skills.
0: Over the last three years um, during the pandemic, my daughter persuaded us to watch a Korean drama, and um, we have become obsessed with Korean dramas and watched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. And I, I could talk about it for a very long time because it brings me great delight. Um, and and I think that that from a leadership standpoint, it allow it's something that I enjoy that a lot of people enjoy. And sometimes people like to talk about football and some people like to talk about hockey. That's something that allows me just to, to enjoy and, and life with other people and to find a point of connection, which is, which is, which is fun and delightful and a little bit playful. I'm meeting people or having a conversation. They're like, what do you like to do? And I'll be like, well, I like watching K-dramas and they'll say, oh, so do I. And then we can talk about the ones that we like. I mean, it's like talking about your favorite sports team. And so it's kind of my version of talking about sports and it's nice to have, you know, when you're leading or, I mean, I tend to be, I don't know if ISFJ is this, but I tend to be a fairly serious person. And it's nice to have something that's just kind of lighter to talk about. I, I grew up as a musician. And so I I don't do a lot of music at this point. But that idea of structure that you have when you're a musician of like, there's a beginning, a middle and end to a piece. I think that that in my brain, I have that archetype, if you will, or that pattern of like, how do I create structure? Um, in a situation, whether it's an offsite or a coaching session or a speech.
1: Thanks for being with us today on Leadership from Within. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to empower your leadership journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe and share it with others. And remember, if you have any specific questions about leadership, we're just an email away. See you in the next one.